Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. This podcast contains teams and language of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. Hello, it's the Sasquatch and thank you very much for tuning in to episode 5 of season 3 of the Busted Barstools podcast, our 29th episode in total. So next weekend is a is a big one. Milestone. It's a bit of a milestone episode. So, I suppose I am joined by, as always, the last bastion of research. It's the doctor. Good the evening. chief of controversy. It's the coach. Hello. And unfortunately, Beric sends his regards. So how are we, gents? Another action-packed weekend of sports. What do we, what do we consume this weekend? Yeah. Well, look, if you want me to... <laughs> like obviously again another week of being a Liverpool fan where I, Tuesday night we thought maybe something had changed something had turned but just having the time since yesterday to kind of go over it in my head okay and it starts with arrogant owners who think that we don't need reinforcements after winning a title uh, but you always need to improve so not spending is killing us like literally killing us because we're decimated um, depth isn't good enough um, two players on the bench max that can probably come in at any time to change a game and one is not Divock Origi um, injuries there's something wrong with the medical department it, it, it can't be right we brought uh, the guy in from Germany there not so long ago maybe a month ago so hopefully he's going to change something we need to buy a striker Firmino isn't good enough cash in on him possibly cash in on Mane Origi just send them down to the I don't know where you want to send them but not Anfield. Um, Send him to Newcastle. Klopp's tactics don't work. Uh, he doesn't have a plan B. I love Klopp. He's done brilliant for the club. I'm not saying get rid of him, but he needs to come up with a plan B and a plan C. Um, it's a disgrace. It's 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 almost lazy. It's lethargic. It's not good. Um, we don't look like we look like a bottom six team. Uh, and Liverpool and I've said this. I think at the start of the season. Liverpool can't play without fans. We can't do it. It's uh, United improve without fans. Liverpool go the opposite way. I said at the start of the season. I know. I think Sasquatch, you have different opinions on that. But um, and obviously Liverpool playing as high a tempo as they have for the last two seasons doesn't help because it is to, to sustain that level. Is I think that's and I think that's your problem though. That's your problem with injuries. And that's your problem with fatigue. And that's your problem with. But it comes back to the owners, isn't it? Like you have to, and I know they're American. And it's harder earned money as opposed to Middle Eastern money, Arab state money. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I get that. I completely get that. But you, ha- you can't just and look. Don't get me wrong. Diogo Jota has been an incredible loss. I think he probably would have filled that void of energy 
in that area of the Absolutely. pitch that we, that we missed. There's um, some dead wood at Liverpool too as well. I mean, Jaron Shakiri as well could go oh, for me. I, I think, do you know what, to be honest, and I would have said that at the start of the season, but I think he is probably the one player that can come in to make some sort of impact. He is one of the two players I would have because there's no yeah. one else staring. Like, they, they, by oh, the way, yeah. Kabak, the centre-half we bought, send him out. He's not good enough. <laughs> He's not good enough. <laughs> he's Three just times adjusting caught under the to, high balls yesterday. Nathaniel he's just Phillips adjusting to life in England. What's that? He's just adjusting to life in England. Give him a chance. It's look. I would have put Davies in from the start yesterday or Nathaniel Phillips. That was an English player's day. If you know, that was an industrial team we were playing against, and it wasn't a game for a European uh, style. Industrial player. team, I think, to be fair, is a bit harsh on Everton, given the definitely Latin American influence they have in the club now they have a lot of technically gifted players as well yeah but the first goal came from a Kabak header outwards from a long ball so to me that's industrial defense like we do, and do you know what Ryan Shawcross Ryan Shawcross Ryan Shawcross should have been in the team till the end of the season then send them off to Inter Miami perfect <laughs> and I'm just going to leave it there on the, on the whole that we'll, we'll Doc what did you watch over the weekend I, uh, yeah, I watched the. I, I got the first half of. No, uh, I don't want you to say that game. Of that game. The oh. Merseyside. Merseyside down. Uh, yeah, delighted for everything. Uh, kind of shocking stuff from Liverpool the last couple of weeks. Um, what else did I watch? The. Great game in Germany. Which was your pick? Yeah, my pick. Frankfurt Great against uh, Bayern. Jesus, are Bayern buckling under the pressure or. You know, ah, they're still, still, still relatively comfortable. Still relatively top. comfortable. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the tennis. Yeah, yeah. Good. That was that was a big win for Frankfurt. They're uh, in the certainly in the mix for uh, European football next season. So best of luck to them for the rest of the season. Um, the tennis. I didn't watch. Not a huge tennis fan, and I'm not going to say, you know, yeah, yeah, Wimbledon and whip out my strawberries and cream. Just yeah, it's, it's not again. Maybe years ago. Yeah, when you had five channels, like when, yeah, <laughs> when you had five channels, yeah. And one of them, the coach had this conversation. I think yeah. And TG Car, <laughs> and you put it on mute <laughs> yeah, so you could and watch TG the tennis. Car, yeah. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Um, I suppose we will have to get through tonight. Um, I kind of probably not as structured beat the buzz around. I think tonight. Um, but personally, I've been doing my own segment entitled "The Great Recycle." We've got the coaches' ranks. And then the doctor is going to have a detailed look at the GA All-Stars, which were obviously announced this weekend. And a quick look at the state of play in Ireland's favourite pastime at present. So, gents, anyone willing to put their hand up and go first? Yeah, it's, well, look, I've gone last the last oh, two weeks, so I think I'll jump in because it's an interesting one this week for coaches' ranks. Um, we Last week we looked at Champions League finals. Um, we're sticking with the football theme this week. Um, and we are going with Premier League one season wonders. Okay, so basically, I'm going to name a few. Um, I've got I've got ten, and we can pick five. Okay, so the first one, an incredible season in the year 2000, meeting 2001. Um, you'll remember that Ipswich Town qualified for the UEFA Cup. I think from my recollection of that year, so I was probably ten years of age. I remember a lot of Ipswich's fixtures being on BBC. And I think that was the European side of it. But this probably comes a year too soon in that it was 2000-2001. So I think it's the year they qualified. And we had um, Marcus Stewart, who came in with 19 goals that season. And he was probably very unfortunate not to get an England call-up that season. 
because um, he did, he kind of single-handedly dragged them, well, him and Matty Holland, I suppose, dragged them to the UEFA Cup. Um, decent spell with Sunderland after, but the magic at, from the Tractor Boys was just never kind of replicated, if you like. Um, he ended his career in Exeter in 2011, and he was just a completely different player, shape, and just not a good player in the same way. 2001-2002, we had Michael Ricketts at Bolton, 13 goals before February. Um, incredible side that who also had I believe well, JJ Okocha I think might have been running the middle of the park for, for that season possibly um, Ivan Campo Campo, Ivan yeah, Campo yeah yeah, yeah. Stilius um, Janikopoulos was it as well no yeah was the Greek yeah the Greek lad bold lad yeah was, yeah Stilius Janikopoulos I think was his name um, and they had Campo and they had they had Hierro yes Yes. Yeah, they had hero as well. And then went bust. Um, <laughs> Yossi, Yossi, Yossi Askeline and Kevin Davis. Yeah. Kevin Nolan. Kevin Nolan. Did you say Askeline? Yossi Askeline, yeah. They were the original Stoke on a rainy Tuesday. Yeah, yeah that's right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the then got an Elke eventually after that, didn't they? On the back of that the season, probably. Curious, <laughs> curious career of Nicholas and Elke. Yeah. So, ironically for Ricketts, um, a spot in the England squad proved to be his undoing, I think. So, he basically he moved to Middlesbrough off the back of that and just never rediscovered his goal-scoring touch there. So, um, that was that was a good season for him at, at Bolton. As I said, 13 goals for February. Andy Johnson, 2004-2005. Um, David Beckham lookalike, obviously, that you know you could pay on weekends to come and take pictures at your birthday party. Um, 21 Beckham, goals. 21 Beckham's <laughs> rocking the ball, look. <laughs> Yeah, only that, only that year, yeah. Um, 21 goals um, that season. Only a certain other player came in with more goals, if you remember who. Anyone? Arsenal fans? 04, 05. In what year? Was it uh, oh. Andre Arshaven? It wasn't. It was Thierry Henry. Oh. And the only player to get more than AJ that season. Um, Bit obvious. <laughs> <laughs> the ball look probably made him look older than he was, to be fair. Uh, obviously had spells with Everton, Fulham, QPR after, but I think Palace is probably going to be the defining season for him. Um, but funny fact for that season, 11 of AJ's goals were penalties. So 10 from play, 11 from penalties. That's, you know. Bruno Fernandes-esque. Yeah, absolutely. Fernandes-esque. <laughs> so we have 2006-2007, Benny McCarthy at Blackburn, um, 18 yeah. goals. One more goal than a certain Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, that season so you know he probably looked like a world beater I don't know what he would have gone for in this day and age but probably a lot he went on to manage Cape Town City FC um, in the last three years he's gone now I think he's he's over another team in Africa Amazulu Amazulu 0708 I'll pick up the speed here Rocky Sante Cruz um, yeah, incredible incredible Paraguayan mm-hmm. 19 goals for Blackburn in that campaign 0708 Um Never really, like signed City. That was his ultimate undoing. Yeah, pretty much. That that was his downfall. He never really got in then. Um, Came from Bayern Munich as well, if memory serves. Yes, yes. But if you remember, he went to Malaga when Malaga got the, a massive amount of money that when they were going for the Champions League and everything. That's where he he did end up. Um, and from there went to Cruz Azul in Mexico in 2015, and now he's back playing in Paraguay. Um, so I think with his last club, he's actually scored 61 times in 140 games. Now the problem is it's the Paraguayan league, so yeah, one hit wonder at Blackburn, I suppose. Um, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, Benjani. You'll remember that season for Portsmouth wearing a Canterbury kit, which was quite 
yeah, I suppose controversial FA, at the time. F- contra- FA Cup. That season won the FA Cup. Um, I, I don't know if they won the FA Cup that year. They they had Canterbury for about three years, and it was within one of them years that they did win it. Um, but off the top of my head, I don't remember. Um, unfortunately, the Zimbabwean, the Zimbabwean, didn't have much else going on mm. after his impressive campaign. He did earn that again. Another player who earned the move to City, but it just didn't, you know, happen for him. That was the time when City, you know, kind of bought the league and picked and chose 11 amongst 111 players that they could have chose probably um, according to then he didn't want to move apparently according to Harry Redknapp if you remember that whole debacle um, but Harry couldn't turn down the money <laughs> um, one that play, one that fans probably won't be too knowledgeable on is Amir Zaki who played for Wigan I think um, Yes, Egyptian. Egyptian, yeah. the Egyptian, well, the original Egyptian king, I suppose, if you want to call him that. Yeah. Arrived on Wigan on loan and had an instant impact. He five goals in six games in his first six games. So he did absolutely score an absolute cracker against Liverpool and Anfield as well. But it was short. Did he go on to play with Hull? Sorry? Did he go on to play with Hull? Um, he did go on to back to play in the, when the, the year they joined the Premiership. Yeah, I think, yeah, uh, I think it was another loan move, was it? Maybe. Um, he was a bit of a wild child, wasn't he? He was, yeah. He Apparently, he actually yeah, refused. Yeah. He refused to play for Steve Bruce. Um, something to do with international duty. There was a big thing. There's a big kind of thing there where he refused to play for Steve Bruce because he wanted to go and he was either coming back from international duty or something along them lines. Excuse me. Um, 2010-2011, Asimo Gian, um, the infamous. Um, no one could quite believe that Sunderland signed one of the superstars of the 2010 World Cup when they did he had that one incredible season and then ran away to Alain if you remember um, there was loads of controversy over that at the time as well and then got a shed load of cash gone to the Chinese Super League to play for Shanghai and I think he, he wore a ludicrous number didn't he he wore like number 2 or 3 or something Shuba um, I just remember Suarez robbing him blind oh, in the World Cup with the handball Jesus Um yeah, and actually, funnily enough, to link that back to Ireland, Andy Keogh actually replaced him um, at Northeast United in the Super League. So, just to link that back to Ireland when he got a, a bad injury. Papa Cissé, 2011-2012. It was a bit awkward when United unearthed uh, the next Demba Ba in 2012. Um, only for him to get better and then the original rather quickly. Um, instinctive and rootless in front of the goal. Cissé, he was unstoppable. First half campaign was, you know, nothing short of, you know, a magician he was uh, then. Um, he always seemed to kind of promise a resurgence after he had an incredible season but again went out to the Chinese side Shangdong Lung in 2016 spending two years at the club before moving on to Turkey so um, I think he then went on to Fenerbahce to the Turkish Giants one that you know I suppose the Sash will, ha- the Sash will have a special affinity to is Michu 2012-2013 yeah. he's, he's the bottom of our list Swansea City probably Wish they took the 20 million fee that was bandied about for the Spaniards' debut season. The streets will never forget. Yeah, yeah. He's got 18 goals in his debut campaign with the Swans in 2012-2013. Um, but then got a chronic ankle injury which ended up hampering the remainder of his playing days. Uh, the forward confirmed his retirement in 2017 when he went off the boil. He was at Real Oviedo at the time when he retired. Um, spending his penultimate season as a player with UP Langreo, a Spanish club in the third tier. Um, with whom he served as director of football um, before becoming their sec- before becoming the secretary of Oviedo then again. So they are our players, gents. Any five stand out? Well, I think Michu, for me, 
was mm. it's just one in my it, you just I can almost I have see an issue with your list. <laughs> What's that? I have an issue with your list. I have an issue with your list. Go on. They're all strikers. Mate, come on. Come on. No, what about what about Abdel Tarat? What about Abdel Tarat? Hold on Afrin? a second. Abdel Tarat had wasn't a what season did he hit you know, hit out? The CC up a QPR. He was, he was consistently he was consistently a circus. Ah, he's a joy Well Ben Arfa. Yeah, Ben Arfa Ben Arfa was a joy joy to watch. Look, if you want to throw Leon Britton. Another Swansea legend that had a hell of a season. Leon Britton, but Leon Britton had had a a consistency about him. Not in the Premier League, though. Like he he came through. Obviously, he came from the conference the whole way through, and he's Swansea's love child. But that's what I'm saying. So, is he a one-hit wonder, or is he more like a? He's a one-hit wonder in the Premier League, anyway. But what happened the season after Premier League? Was still at Swansea. Exactly. He stayed the whole career. Like he didn't come for a year and then leave. <laughs> they're all money men though I think apart from Michu maybe if you look uh, at where their careers ended up well apart from yeah as I said Michu aside because he had a good kind of he went to not grassroots but he spent time in Spain and he, he you know two or three clubs so other than that they all end up playing in China don't they so it's similar to a story I heard of Dharma Traore at QPR when he got an injury Um I happened to have a friend who works at QPR and said when it came to the back end of the season he had just come back I think he maybe got in the squad for one or two games and unbelievable just became like Cristiano Ronaldo-esque in training to get a new deal um, and he'd done it twice I believe I think he got one year extensions at QPR possibly um, and then ultimately obviously never lifted a weight apparently yeah apparently I'd love to see his gaff never I'd love to see a supplement check. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so if I had to rank them, we have to rank them. Yeah, am I ranking them as a one season wonder? Are we or are we ranking them in terms of maximum ability? We, I think we probably have to. <sighs> who had the best season? Basically, we're ranking the season. Right, we'll go with the because I was going to say you could go who had the most promise, either. But in that case, think <sighs> Freddie th- Sears. <laughs> there's a lot of things that you're if you're going on, on on promise there's a lot of things you know it's subjective to the player isn't it because injuries and, yeah. and stuff like that so we'll go on on the season like that season I think for me meet you if we if we start at number one it has to be meet you for me meet you I'll flick through the names again Cisse Papa Cisse Gian Zaki Benjani Benjani was incredible and and for me, actually, Harry Redknapp made Benjani who he was. The way he bigged them up. Yeah, I actually, I wouldn't be happy to see Benjani in the top five. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, I just don't think he was. I just think he was good, but he wasn't that good. Uh, so call the players again, them ten, because I never write these down when you when you go through them. Right. Just, okay. Marcus Stewart single-handedly gr- brings Ipswich to the UEFA Cup. Michael Ricketts. Bolton but arguably that Bolton side was incredibly good I think we, mm-hmm. we've, we've said that Andy Johnson David Beckham Z-lister yeah um, Benny McCarthy Roque Santa okay. Cruz Benjani Amir Zaki Asimo Gian Papa Cisse and Michu. That was very uh, Colin the Bingo numbers. 
Right, for me, the top five, anyway. Oh, that's a nightmare for me now. Um, I'd say Benny McCarthy should be in there. I'm not giving him a position, but he should be in the top five because he did have a bit of staying power too. Yeah. A few years at Blackburn. He did have a few few seasons. Oh, look, he, he, finished, he finished ahead of Cristiano Ronaldo in a season for assists and goals. So, I mean, it has to stand for something. And that was, that was a very dogged Blackburn, Blackburn side. Pat Pedersen was in that team as well, wasn't he? Morton Gamps. Morton Gamps. Yeah. yeah. The rocket from Norway. Um, I'd say Asimo Jan for the simple fact that he had an incredible World Cup as well. Yeah, fair. <clears throat> We've already said Michu. I'm going Papa Cisse as well. I just thought he was class. Papa Cisse was very good, yeah. Do you remember Roque Santa Cruz had an unbelievable finish against. Uh, and he was my final to add in with Santa Cruz. Yeah, he had an unbelievable um, finish against United and Old Trafford at one stage. And when he signed for City, I think that season as well. Because, like, <clears throat> looking at the other numbers, Zaki, I remember him being good, but I don't think he had a good full season. No. I think it was more a hot, hot, hot start. Hot streak. A bit like, yeah. um, a bit like Team Piku at uh, Norwich. Timu, Peaky, whatever you call him. Um, Marcus Stewart. I'll be very honest. Um, it's too far back for me to okay, really no, have a, yeah. I had a, a casual interest in sports. Same with, same with um, Rowan Ricketts. Because I remember Michael everyone. Ricketts, Michael Ricketts. Rowan Ricketts, 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 Ricketts for uh, Shamrock Rovers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember everyone banging on about Ricketts when I was younger. But I don't think I was fully cognizant of how good he was. You know? And then. I just seen the aftermath both of them. He was kind of one of those okay Premier League stickers that you got in every pack you bought. That's who he was. <laughs> gonna say the, gonna 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 say the same about Stewart as well. Um yeah. I seem to remember like trying to get the thousand and three maybe two thousand four sticker book done and I'd say I was getting um Mark Stewart for a week for every week. Yeah. <laughs> he was in every pack. Yeah. Oh great a silver one? Oh no, it's Marcus Stewart silver. <laughs> <laughs> uh Benny Mc yeah. So I would say my order would be five Benny McCarthy, four Pape Sisa, Pape Sisa, three Rocky Santa Cruz, two Asamoah Gian, and one Mitu. But I'm not happy with it. <laughs> I it's like it, but sense. I actually, do you know what? I actually think Benny McCarthy should probably be up a little bit higher. I think he's got more. Uh, he became a cult hit, didn't he, or a cult legend? I think. Yeah. Now the thing, thing I would say, and, and the reason why I didn't put Benny McCarthy so high is, I actually think he, he he like his his success was attributable to his awkwardness, if that makes sense. Like those other four players in that list, you could see in a training session what they'd bring to a game. Benny McCarthy was just a lump. Not not to say not saying he was really tall or anything or he was really big, but he was just really awkward and his goals were all kind of scrappy goals. If you look at the goals Michu was scoring, if you look at the goals Cisse Santa Cruz were scoring and even Gian scored some good goals. Mm. I don't remember a Benny McCarthy worldly. Yeah, he was just yeah. <clears throat> he was just there. Like a kind of a fox in the box, Franny Jefferson. <laughs> Cult hero that is Franny Jefferson. Um, Doc, anything to, to add or pull away from Sass there before you agree on this? Um, no, I'd go with that as well. There's some names that aren't actually ringing a bell, and like what he says about uh, Marcus Stewart, that's probably a fair assumption. A, a bit early for to yeah be co- cognizant of the fact of how I suppose classy he was in that season. 
Yeah. Arsene Ojean was the African yeah. player of the year in 2010. I just want to check if how Benny, in terms of per individual awards, if Benny McCarthy beat him to it, because that would make my mind up. Give me one second. Uh, I think it's there. There were different years. Really, they were they were dominant. I think. Yeah, look, Benny doesn't have any kind of um, individual accolades. Um, He's sick haircut, doesn't he? <laughs> he had many sick haircuts. He he got the Portuguese silver ball, and he got I think player of the month in Portugal two, three times. So, if yeah. I was to say a slightly controversial thing about ben, Benny McCarthy, go on. When I hear controversial stories about Blackburn. I flip a coin and it was either Benny McCarthy or Hadji Duff or was El Hadji Duff <laughs> <laughs> and that's my last memory of Benny McCarthy look we'll we'll agree on that I think I think we're happy well, with that. what would your top five be coach it was uh, just to wrap that up there it was 2008 when Portsmouth won the FA Cup nice oh, that's a delayed that is research. a very delayed uh, fact check wearing their cantos <laughs> So yeah, I like that jersey. I know, I know you've said you don't. I just disagree with the. Maybe next next week we'll go the, the five oddest um, team slash <laughs> team brandings across all sports, i.e. Umbro kids. and Formula One. <laughs> Umbro and rugby, or O'Neill's and rugby league, or like it's. Yeah, I think we've been through this a lot. Like I think, I think, kids suppliers do need to try and expand. To survive or to even if you're, I don't know, look. But look, Sass, do you want to call call that out there? Our final five there, and we'll if we're all, well, if we're all in agreement, it was oh, I didn't even order. We should top five. Benny McCarthy at five. Yep. Pape Cisse at four. Pape Cisse four. Asmo Gian three. Santa, uh, it was Asmo Gian and then Rocky Santa Cruz and and then meet you. The man the meet you. I think I had uh, Santa Cruz at three and and Gian at two, but. I'm happy to alternate them. Yeah, we'll go with Gianna three because because of the World Cup. Probably just edged from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Thank you. Um. <coughs> so, Doctor, flip a coin yourself or myself. Uh, no, I'll go. I'll go and get it. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. Good, get it good out of the way. So I think, considering that we're not going to see any GA action for quite a while, I thought I'd just give us a run through of um. The All-Star Awards that happened over the last couple of nights, uh, both football and hurling. So, um, in the football, uh, Dublin have nine All-Stars. Now, that matches what they won in 77 and what Kerry won in 81. I suppose you could say, yeah, it is justified, given the fact that we know Super 8 or no backdoor, and it was literally just like provincial winners and, and whatever like it could have been Limit a, fixtures, yeah. a, a couple of more uh, Mick Fitzsimons is in there a cornerback the entire halfback line is made up of dubs James McCarthy uh, I think that's his fourth all-star John Small on Morchard their first one Brian Fenton in midfield it's his fourth one uh, yeah and you have uh, then Niall Scully Kieran Kenny Cotto Callahan make up the half forward line and then Dean Rock at number 15 um, a couple of people have said that Cluxton was robbed of an all-star that he should have got an all-star the Dubs probably should have had 10 I can see why are you nodding your head for coach because look Cluxton is playing, in a, <laughs> is playing in a team where he doesn't have to face anything like I don't understand how a man how can a goalkeeper right not face any 
shots and still get an all-star it's beyond me it is actually beyond I, me I, I well to be fair i think <laughs> the year they had the performances he had i think galligan deserved this yeah. To be fair. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, so we get you know, Gallagher's in there and number one, and then yeah. uh, his cousin Tom is uh, alongside Brian Fenton. Uh, Connor Sweeney of Tipperary is in the full forward position, and then Mayo have two Ushin Mullen, uh, cornerback, and then Killian O'Connor, who was top scorer with like 540, I think he scored like fucking something like 310 or something in that semi final. I think Ushin Mullen, Mullen got young player of the year. He well, did actually. Ushin Mullen got young player of the year, and Fento won a uh, player of the year, and it's the second player of the year in three years, and only one other player have won two. Footballer of the years previous to that. Do you know who he is? No. Do you Repeat want to take a only, guess? Repeat that again. Only so one? Fenton, Fenton won his second Footballer of the Year award, the second in, in three yeah. years. Uh, previous to that, only one other person has won it twice. What years are we talking about? Do you know because... his name? Uh, late 90s, early 90s. Is he a Kerry man? No. Is he a Mead man? Yes. It's not, is it? Do you have bleach blonde hair? Do you play for Arsenal? No, I was, going, I was uh, thinking more. No. I was thinking more, no, I was thinking Trevor, no. Trevor Giles, yes. Uh, you were thinking of uh, uh, Graham Gardy, are you? Yeah, I was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, he only, he only <coughs> played one game in every five, to be fair. He only um, played what? One game every five. Um, <laughs> good Graham Gardy. If he was feeling it, if he was feeling it, he was unplayable. If, if he wasn't feeling it, he was... Yeah, so uh, there you go. What do you what do you think of the uh, the team there? Is there anyone you reckon you'd uh, take out and put in? Oh, I don't really, to be honest. I think Marchin maybe is the only one that could have been replaced. I thought Paddy Dorgan was maybe unlucky to miss out. Do you he know had an exceptional year. I'll tell you who. That's the only slight change I'd make, but it's very hard um, given the lack of fixtures. Given like Kerry were knocked out in the first round, like. Yeah. Knocked out by Cork straight away. Like when you don't have the fixtures, you didn't have a league either, so you've no real <laughs> volume of work for your arguments. It was always going to be yeah, and it's it's generally based over the performances and whatever of the whole entire year, not just championship. Yeah, and th- there is yeah. one that sticks out to me that probably should be in just purely on quarter semi and final performance, and that's Robbie McDade for Dublin. Yeah, yeah, McDade as well. Actually, he he had a. Quite well, when I say a good season, he had like a really good five Stint, championship games. Yeah, yeah so Stint, <clears> um, I think he's probably maybe for me is the only one I could probably argue. I think he's probably very unfortunate. Hmm. Maybe he's replacing Sass's merchant. I don't know. Um, own merchant just. I think it's own merchant size. You just seem to think he's a new or immature or naive player. But actually, you know, he's been in and around it. But I think it's pure, unfortunately purely because he his. His youthful his looks exuberance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it it's very hard very hard to quantify Dublin players' performance in a vacuum, if that makes sense. Yeah. Is in like it's very hard to say he's he's by far the best half back in the country, or is he just another part another cog in what is a phenomenal machine, if that makes sense. Whereas I think other counties players that can nominate for all stars, I think it's easier to say, well, he had a phenomenal year than it necessarily is for a Dublin player. I don't know if I've made that point quite like well or whatever, but I just think Marchant could look like he's just another player in 
what is an unstoppable force as opposed to being a real standout player and maybe that's why I don't want more I did I thought Merchant could be shifted out of the side but I don't know I think it's very difficult yeah look I think it's very it's probably it was probably harsh of them to, to, to make a an all star team like maybe mm. maybe you just pick between the two finalists I don't know like I know Tip had a great run and all that sort of stuff and it, well, Calvin as well, like yeah, Calvin, Calvin had great well. years. But like, you only really have the ability to pick between the four teams, don't you? Uh, yes and no. I mean, like I said, there was no backdoor, no super eights. But I mean, there mm-hmm. have been years where, like, you might get a player who wins an all star, but they got knocked out in the third round or fourth round of the qualifiers, like. Do you know what I mean? It's happened a couple of times over the years. Like uh, I think I it was think... 2004, Declan Brown for Tipperary won an All Star, and they got knocked out in the third round of the qualifiers. I think given the, there's I think one or two more current... examples there that I just can't think of. No, but I, I think like this year it would be very hard to pick a, a player from Munster that didn't feature in the All semi finals. It'd be very hard to pick a player from mm. Connacht. There's no way you're picking a Leinster player given what what Dublin did to any side they played any side yeah I suppose so yeah. and there's you could argue maybe a Donegal player maybe here or there but it's very hard to it's just the year it was in it's a strange year I think they had to do it though I think you you, you kind of have to praise the players for their efforts given yeah yeah what they did for the country and like I don't want to say Jesus oversell it or anything like that but it did provide a lot of people in this country with a lift during the last stage five, not this one now. Um, yeah, it's a shame the they just messed five. it all up for everyone else. But look, I don't think it was the intercounty. I think it was the club championship that messed it up for everyone else. And I think it was the the opening at Christmas may have hampered it. What what do, you, to shut the what do you think will happen <laughs> now going for? Well, look, sorry, are you doing the hurling there, Doc? We'll do that first, and then maybe yeah, we, yeah, we'll get to you, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, but just on that, just like congratulations to all the all stars. Uh, congratulations to Brian Fenton. Definitely has another footballer of the year in him, if not two. Hopefully. So, uh, yeah, once they get back up and running, looking forward to seeing him on the field again. Um, and then, yes, the Horland team as well also got announced. Um, Tipperary, uh, Limerick, rather, sorry, um, obviously won. Delia McCarthy, they had nine All-Stars. Um, so I'll just call out the, the team Waterford had three Galway, Kilkenny and Clare all had one apiece Nicky Quaid from Limerick in goal uh, Sean Finn, Dan Morrissey Limerick um, and then Dahi Bork from Galway that makes up the full back line Dermot Bournes, Ty De Borke, uh, Kyle Hayes Bournes and Hayes are Limerick De Borke is Waterford they make up the half back line uh, Jamie Barron Waterford, Tony Kelly, Clare in midfield, uh, Hegarty, Lynch, and Morrissey of uh, Limerick make up the half forward line. Aaron Galan, corner forward of Limerick. TJ Reid, still doing it at 33 years of age. Um, he's there full forward. Class and then Stephen. What? Class is permanent. Class is permanent. Uh, Stephen Bennett of Waterford yeah. in corner forward. Um, so there's Grown one... Hegarty Player of the Year as well. Yeah, Grown uh, Hegarty Player of the Year, uh, Horler of the Year. So you've one, two, three, uh, four, five, six people, six players there uh, getting their first award. And then the rest of the lads are either between their second award 
or their uh, fifth award. I think it shows yeah, show, the competitiveness, it, doesn't it? It shows. I was going to say it shows the uh, the difference in class in the levels of competition. Yeah. Between football and hurling, and, and how open hurling is. Um, like I mean, how many how many dubs are you on the football team in the year? Sorry. But there were nine dubs. There were nine uh, Limerick lads on the thing. Yeah. But there was players from five teams in the hurling as opposed to only the four teams in football. Like so. Um, yeah, um, just another great year for Harlan. And well, I suppose Harlan did have the backdoor system in place, so maybe some of them players took advantage of that versus the football mm. where it was one and done. Yeah, um, another great year for Har- for Harlan. Dubs went away with the football again. I think we've kind of been saying this the last six that years. Is. Yeah, for the last six years, eh? Both, both, that JP McManus money winning Liam McCarthy's all over the place. It, look, it, it does show the influence. <laughs> look, it, sh- it does show the influence of money in in an organisation like that. Like, I know within our own podcast group last week, I, I put up the whole um, the coach and development funding, the national allocation from two thousand seven to two thousand twenty, and Dublin, you know, <clears throat> take an outstanding amount amount of that. And I would arguably say out of that twenty million. I'd say seventy five percent of it at least probably goes into football, um, like, and then Limerick are obviously privately funded, and th- there has to be questions as well of, surely they have to come up with some sort of um, awarding or licensing with how counties can accept money, ha- like. So do you reckon? Do you reckon there should be like a cap on corporate, outside no. corporate funding? That isn't no. like we'll say your AIG or your your sports director or whatever. I think it needs to be a centralized pot. Similar so to rugby. it's a million to sponsor Dublin, because it always <clears throat> will be. But Dublin don't see that million. It goes into a centralized pot and it's divided out using some logic, whether it be mm. the amount of clubs in the country, the amount of registered players in the county. Sorry, and the amount of registered players because Leitrim are never, ever, ever ever going to get the money in, in funding vers- for, versus what Dublin gets given and that's in, incorporating the rate of inflation over the next thousand years they're still never going to get that money so are you saying they're sponsored they're sponsored by a pub in Yonkers New York yeah Leitrim yeah Leitrim yeah. are sponsored an inter-county panel is sponsored by that versus Dublin who and I'm not, it's not just Dublin because Limerick actually don't have their own sponsor. They went for a zero sponsor in the jersey, and it's kind of like we're we're supporting ourselves, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's yeah. we're sponsored by Limerick. I think yeah, they, they have um, a little emblem on their collar, don't they? Just Adair Hotel or something like that. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I think they might have something to do with the Limerick leader or something like that, or sporting yeah. Limerick or something. I, think, I don't know, but like, like. I think that they need to make a drastic change now similar to the drastic change they made to save football in the capital in 2002 they need to make that now to save the championship of 2030 but the, not the, 2021 the problem there that we have now is that the GAA are showing losses of 34 million for last year yeah like if on what I, I suppose given it's the wage given the wage given the wage bill of all staff under the GAA umbrella and this isn't including Zari Camogie and, and the LGFA because yeah. they're separate entities this is male sports their staff wage bill was cut from 1.9 million to 1 million so where do they make losses of 34 million they, they continue to fund counties I suppose 
I just I don't get it. I don't get the business model. I don't I don't see how it's sustainable unless unless the bite the bullet and go professional. Yeah, like and and this is an argument that came up during the week. I think wasn't it the it was one of the um, the GA board in in Loud. It might have even been the football manager saying that how are League of Ireland going back and GA aren't and. The ultimate answer to that is well, League of Ireland footballers, or a lot of League of Ireland footballers, are making a living from League of Ireland football. Like so whether job, they're yeah. you know making a full wage every week or whether they're making supplementing their wage during the week, they need it to keep going, I suppose. And the GAA, because the way they're set up, don't. Well, well sorry, the above, are, above board, they don't. The chances are a lot of League of Ireland players are fully employed because they're getting the League of Ireland top up and they're getting the PUP. Yeah. So they probably are full time professional <laughs> during a pandemic, whereas they weren't before. So would you, would you be saying then, like we'll take Leitrim as the example because you use it already. So if Leitrim have a hundred thousand participants, okay, and Dublin have a million participants in GA, would you say for every participant you get X? So it's fifteen euro, whatever it might be. Is that the way you'd work? Or something it? like that. Like yeah. It's so some, it wouldn't be that every large amount, like like. One of my biggest grievances is the argument that the because it's the coaching funding which is what Dublin is always ahead up ahead mm. of and people say that the logic is there's more clubs in Dublin than anyone else and that's completely illogical because the most the county with the most clubs is Cork yeah. so they should be leading if that's the logic being used for funding. Look, I think to understand the whole Dublin thing from my point of view is you need to understand four things. You need to understand landscape, which was in Dublin in the early nineties, Ireland had just come back from Saipan there was fears over Euro 88 Italian 90 USA 94 that soccer had a grip on the nation's capital and we would never get it back so they started investing heavily in the GA at that time obviously 2004 a fairly notorious figure came to to power in the FAI someone might say champagne football Um, (laughs) who, who contributed to a slide in Irish football and then you got to look at the structure of the dubs. You've had, you have the ultimate architect, architect there in Pat Gilroy. The structure he put in place in Dublin is phenomenal. And the five in a row is as much Pat Gilroy as it is Jim Gavin. Mm. So I think if you, if you, if you, if you want to learn anything from the dubs, what's your business model? Share your business model. And the GA should adopt that business model for every county. And maybe they can't achieve it to the success of the dubs, but... In reality, while we say Leitrim will never get the fun of Dublin, will Leitrim probably aren't capable of winning All Ireland, even if money was par- on par. Yeah. Because of other factors like population, yada yada yada. But, one, but I think that business model probably needs to be copied by every county in the in the country. One thing that um, well, we 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 scrutinise the FAI a lot on the podcast and in public, but. One thing they do across the board is everyone's getting the same amount of money. Okay, apart from your winning money, where if you finish first, second, third, whatever, but every academy gets the same kind of amount given to them per team. Per do you know, if you've got you have your under 15s, 17s, 19s, whatever, everyone's getting the same amount across the board. If you go and get your own sponsor, you get your own sponsor. That's up to you, but you're still getting your allowance, and everyone's getting the same allowance. Um, hmm. so and it's not a lot. A GA would definitely have more to give out. But something, yeah, I agree. Something has to be done. I don't. I don't think anyone is saying split Dublin. I don't think that's. No. Do you know? Do you know what the irony of that is? And I'm not his. I'm not his biggest fan. Mm. But when O'Rourke said that, he actually said it as a joke. Yeah. He says, "Oh, geez, I don't know how you'd stop them, but no, split them in two. Like it was a joke." 
and people just latched onto it. It's the most bizarre thing ever. Yeah. I think, like, I, I'm of the of the the thinking that you don't need to tear Dublin down to drag everyone up to their standard. Yeah, exactly. But you made a good, a good one was you shared a business plan. Like, it needs to be transparent, as in, well, it needs to be transparent because at the moment it's not. Like we can see figures, but yeah. we don't know why. Like twenty million over and, whatever and it is, ten years. The thing, the thing, the thing about a lot of those figures as well that are posted, they're they're up till two thousand seventeen, and the reason for that is because the GA have been making efforts to to level the playing field. Yeah. You'd argue it's at a snail's pace as opposed to the pace it needs to be. And I suppose if you're looking to make an argument, it's it's better to pick the data that best makes your point, which yeah. is how much money Dublin got until 2017. But I I do think more probably to be fair, they probably need to do a review of every county board that's not achieving KPIs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether that be like yeah. like you look at like someone that that screams to me is Wexford, the money they've invested in both their football programs and. Like the hurling is getting better, to be fair. Yeah. But the football programs, the money they've invested in that football program, and they're not seeing the dividend. So, so where's that money going? What's it been wasted on? Yeah, rant over, I suppose. I think. <laughs> I think or, uh, just yeah. as well, Barrick isn't here for this one tonight. Yeah. Um. <coughs> I look at. I like. I don't want to see Dublin torn down. I like. I think if we could get to a standard of football where everyone was playing the same way Dublin was playing, and you had eight Dublins. Geez, be a pretty good competition, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, but look, maybe Mike actually yeah. will make a change in Cork. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, geez, you, you never know. You never That's know. Not the jerseys a, are horrid, well by the way. Just to all the Cork. It's not been uh, well received, I don't think. <laughs> the other thing I'd say as well is you could make arguments for the fact that I've lost my train of thought. So when we leave it there and return after a quick word from our sponsors. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's the Sasquatch here from the Busted Barstools podcast. This episode is produced in partnership with our friends, the Square Ball, located just off Marion Square. They're doing it rough at this moment in time with the pandemic, so make sure to give them a follow on Instagram, give them a like, give them a share, and hopefully someday soon we'll all be able to get back in for barbecue, pints, and sport. Hello and welcome back to part two of episode five, season three of the Busted Barstools podcast. So quickly, because um, we, we, we had a lot of debate in the previous section, so we might just get my bit over and done with pretty quick. But I've brought you a piece called The Great Recycle. So basically what I've done is I've got some talking points from previous episodes that we've not really delved I think, into the level of depth that we probably could have. And I brought them forward. Basically, all stemmed from the Premier League announcing during the week that until fans can fully return to stadiums for every game, every game will, will be televised. So, the first talking point, I suppose, is are we reaching maximum levels of sports coverage saturation? And the reason I ask this is Wednesday night in particular for myself, we had Everton and City we had Dortmund Sevilla and the other Champions League game was Juventus Porto I couldn't generally give a a hoot about any of those teams 
but I found myself in a state of almost paralysis of flicking between the three channels. So I suppose, gents, are we getting to a stage perhaps where there may be too much sport on the telly, and in particular association football? Uh, <laughs> it's a difficult one. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, like it's... I mean, like how many sports channels is there out there and how many sport is currently on? Like, are you going to really switch off a Champions League match on a Wednesday night to go watch netball or badminton? No offence to no. netball or badminton. Like, they're, you know, they're good sports. They're Olympic sports. People do play them. They do exist. They are being televised and they're getting kind of the media coverage that they, they need and deserve in terms of boosting their numbers. But, um, yeah, I can kind of see the point you're making, but... I'm str- like basically I'm struggling to recall a, a night or a day where we haven't had football in the last two three weeks. We have a Premier League Monday, Champions League Tuesday Wednesday, Europa League Thursday, Premiership Friday, Friday Premiership Saturday, Saturday Sunday, Sunday. We'll have Premiership again Monday, and then we'll have Champions We're League. Back again. into Champions League, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez, uh, I think it. Um, I don't know. It's it's a good one. Like I think it keeps us saying, but it's only kind of like a t- two hours that you're taking out of your evening whereas you know whether you're working or you're not working if like you're a family guy what, uh, you know you can still spend time with the kids you can still get out of the house you can still you know maybe watch one of your soaps before a match is on Curry found me <laughs> the amount of sport that's on a football it's not just all about the lads like you know yeah. the women and the kids do enjoy it as well they were not sexist or I think... anything like that but uh <sighs> I think the debate here is probably quantity over quality. Or quality That's the thing. I was, I, the next, yeah. the next Axfest was the NBA regular season versus the NFL regular season, and the eighty-two fixtures versus the seventeen or sixteen per site. Um, like, we would we rather a, a continuous content or just all like majority fixtures that matter, as opposed to Fulham Sheffield United. Look, the game has to be played. Yeah, it does, it, yeah. It, true. It has to be played, and if the offer of it there is is to ha- is, if the offer of it on telly is there, you know you choose to watch it or you you, you choose not to watch it. I mean, I think, there are there are some there are some on get some games on. Uh, you know, like I said, there's been matches on pretty much every night. I think it was. Um, I didn't watch Champions League on Wednesday. I didn't watch Europa League on Thursday. I, yeah, I was the same. Do you know what I mean? But Isn't I watched it Friday, Saturday. Today and I will probably watch whatever matches on tomorrow. And we like sorry, I didn't watch Champions League on Wednesday. I did watch City Everton. Was it City Everton Wednesday night? I think. Um, yeah, but I watched. I I opted for for the Porto fixture. Look, it, it it's a tough one, but I it, I think it's nice to have in the background because if we didn't have football, I'm not sure what we would have at this time. Like, what else would keep us going? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I mean, if you look at the rugby, it's only on like every two weeks now. Do you know what I mean? That's the thing. I'm... Um, and it's the Six Nations, so you know you're only going to get five fixtures out of that. Or and, and, well, five weeks of three fixtures or whatever. Take your pick. Yeah, I think. I, the... I wonder how many how many people had opinions on the four provincial wins this weekend versus how many people had had opinions on Andy Farrell's coaching for Ireland last weekend. I just think it's one of the <laughs> things that cracks me up the most. The amount of. Uh, Irish rugby fans that have no idea what's going on in provincial rugby. Yeah, it's one of the bugbears. Yeah, we might touch on that before we close up, but uh, um, it's 
I think it comes back to a point I made two or three weeks ago about the NBA. I think you need a storyline to follow. And if, as a Liverpool fan, Liverpool is my storyline. But if you're a neutral or someone who kind of watches, like mm. I've got a lot of friends that don't particularly follow a team, but they like the sport or whatever. I think you need to kind of follow a storyline or if it's a new player or if, you know, oh, this is going to be Ronaldo's last ever season. It's not to any listeners that, but it just, they need to follow something in their head. And that gives you... It gives you be a hell of a first take, be a hell of a hot take if it is. <laughs> it, but that gives you some sort of um, something to follow. It doesn't necessarily have to be a team, but a, th- a theme, T H E M E, like it gives you a bit of purpose to watching what you're watching, as opposed to just watching Fulham and Sheffield. Like you don't have to turn that game on, but if you're intrigued in it for some reason because you know there's five Irish lads playing or whatever your your reason is, then you might take it in because we're coming up to internationals and that. But I, I agree, there is an awful lot on you, but you want to be a serious fan. Like, I find myself, and as an avid football fan, just, I'm actually not really too, like Champions League, I can't, I can't remember the last time Champions League football was on, on a midweek night, and I said, actually, I'm not going to tune into either of them. You know? Yeah, made it, probably made it a bit easier with the fact that there was no English teams in action on and Wednesday. Probably because most of us aren't going into a job, coming out going, I can't wait to just put the feet up now and watch this tonight. Because you've been at home all day. You've probably had a couple of coffees, you know. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a couple of cans. Yeah, like, but that's, that's the reality of it as well, isn't it? You're not going, oh, I can't wait to just get home and relax. You know, you're probably pent up with energy. You want to get out for a walk or just... Let's yeah. be honest, well, with the three of us anyway, a lot of us have Sky Sports or ESPN or some sort of sports news on in the background during the day while we're working. Or a podcast, a sports podcast. And by the time mm. you get to five or six o'clock, you're done with sports in some mm. cases. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I that's what I would have done on a Wednesday, when it was say Wednesday and Thursday with the Champions League and Europa League. Didn't sit in to watch them. Once I was done with work, I went out on the walk, listened to the podcast, and just checked in on the scores every half an hour, like yeah, on yeah. the DL Sports app. Yeah, yeah, no, that's just just interesting to get people's different people's takes. There's two more points I had kind of that I wanted to bring in. The last one is a bit tinfoil esque. Um. It's my own personal conspiracy theory, but I'll leave that to the last. The second question was, and try not to take this to heart, coach, but we've seen Klopp rant about this a lot in the earlier part of the season. I've now seen kind of Liverpool's slump, let's call it. Is the Premier League season really congested? Yes. Yes? Yeah. What's, yeah, it's, it's, what's, it's very congested. What's different? You, you still have... You still have like your domestic cups and whatever teams are still in Europe, but they're planning to finish at the same time they would always finish, which is like mid-May, but they started a month later as well. And you yeah. have international uh, football coming up next month. And which is mental. The reason for, and Champions League decided to play two leagues. Two, the, two, two, two legs, yeah. European fixtures are two legs. And then the Euros in the summer doesn't help. So The Euros in the summer as well. Like, if you look at it... The magic of the Euros They'd be finishing may go domestic ahead. going straight into a training camp. The, la- the third week in January in a typical season was actually the end of February mm. do you know if, if you put it into perspective so we're probably six weeks ahead of where we should be yeah. roughly speaking it's interesting it's, there's a lot of I think money decisions been made the second leg of the Champions League is a huge one Yeah. don't want to make any grievances but if you look at the the Arsenal situation they have an away fixture in Belgium and a home fixture in I think it's Poland it's Athens it's now. not. It's uh, Athens. Now. Oh, Athens. Yeah, it's yeah. Athens now. Yeah. So they're playing a Portuguese side. 
Benfica, obviously. Um, wild. I, I think one fixture would have been enough, especially the last 16. Fair enough, you want to go quarterfinals, semifinals, two legs, but I don't get the premise of two legs. I think it's... Yeah, they, they should have surely... yeah, they, they stuck with just the, the one leg again mm. this season and finished up those competition before the end of the domestic seasons. Yeah, I think I made the point very early in way back, maybe in the first episode of the season, that I don't know why. And similarly with international football, like the Nations League, why is it not the four teams join up in one city for one week and play their three games? Similarly with the Champions League, why didn't they get the group stage? Because they did that for semi-finals, did they not? Of the Champions League last year. Yeah, but did it not work? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But that's yeah, exactly. Why did they not do it again? Why, particularly international football? I don't, I don't get it for that. And then again, European football, Champions League, they could have played the round one fixtures in one week or maybe two weeks. But ultimately, it saves us time and it saves us travel. You know? Yeah, but it's but it's because they yeah, they, don't want, they want every fixture yeah. televised. And you need to sell the ads, don't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Look, personally speaking, I think you get more TV viewership if it's one leg and there's that sense of of. Yeah. No, uh, if I miss this, I'll get the second leg kind of thing. But if it's all on the line yeah, in one night, yeah, you're going to yeah. watch it, aren't you? Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Especially if you get a text and say, Did you see Juventus to them 1 0 to Porto? Yeah. You'll flick that on straight away. Or Barca. Or you'll, you'll keep an eye. To PSG. Yeah, yeah, they, they yeah exactly. Today, um, and the final piece, <clears> I suppose, I have, which is a bit tin foily, but uh, I'm going to go for it anyway. And this is my personal conspiracy theory around the pay-per-view model that was lobbied a few months back. So, the pay-per-view model that was launched a few months back was never actually a long-term runner. In reality, the subscription services, BT Sports, Sky Sports, are pay-per-view. But since they've cancelled the pay-per-view option... Both companies have seen surges in subscriptions. Right. So go on. Decipher that a little bit more for me. So my 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 my, my theory was it was a really strange publicity stunt. <clears throat> and the option of having all the games without having to pay additional fees made it more attractive to customers to subscribe. So if you had to pay a BT Sports subscription and then pay to watch Fulham, which is your side, mm. an extra nine quid. What was it? Twenty quid? They were uh, it was twelve ninety five, I think. Twelve ninety five, right? Something. To so that you're effect. paying thirty quid a month, say, for BT Sports. Yeah. Another thirty quid a month for Sky Sports. So sixty quid plus an extra twelve ninety nine. It's like seventy quid, a month. like whatever. How many pay per view fixtures you might get a month? But by taking away the pay per view model they suddenly made it far more financially viable for fans to subscribe to both. Because both have recorded increases in subscriptions since the pay-per-view model was was scrapped. Mm. But bear in mind, the COVID situation hasn't generally really changed, so it's not as if everyone's been... like this. The, the scrapping didn't happen in February of 2020, and then all of a sudden COVID hit, and then everyone was forced inside. Yeah, happened generally, yeah. So uh, yeah, look very tin foily from myself, but uh, something to to discuss. Yeah, I can see people uh, buying it, buying into that 
I'm trying it's, to think. I'm, try, I'm trying to think. I'm trying me, to think of a, a marketing campaign that had something similar. There, it, it, your your shop it, floor, it, isn't it? It's yeah, your shop floor. Yeah. You put the premium product cheaper than it than it is, so people buy the middle product. Does that make sense? Something yeah, to that effect. Yeah, yeah. Something to that effect. Um, I look. It could be pie in the sky. I just thought it was interesting that since they've scrapped the pay per view model, the general day to day subscriptions have increased and not much else has changed do you th- go on stock would they when was that that was around november december was it mm. it was just after the summer it was probably around september nearly what do, do you reckon and they were and they the article i read also stated that it was the first year they had a difference in subscriptions december versus january because normally a lot of people uh, get sky for christmas for the yeah christmas i was just gonna say that actually off. what what would it have been um a kind of like three month or six month Black Friday deal that would have led to a rise in those subscriptions. It was like half price or something. Don't know, look, it was an article I read and I just found it, it just yeah. struck a chord, I suppose. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much my hogwash, mix mash, shite talk. Not an awful lot of co- good content there. Um, do you think cover for the week? It was good. It was different. Do you think on that though, Sas? Just before we leave that point, do you think? Um, with Amazon coming in and doing games as well now can you see in the next couple of years clubs taking their own subscriptions i.e. a la NBA NFL on an app well this is something that really has annoyed me this notion of Prem Flix has been has been circulating a while and it was like Covid is the perfect time to do this so I think it's more profitable for the league and for the respective clubs to have it on a subscription based service so they've no overheads as such the television companies is fronting the bill in terms of production the television company is fronting the cost of the <coughs> magazine show like you generally get a lot of I wouldn't call it fluff but you get a lot of extra TV shows and documentaries and stuff from those league specific apps yeah. so your NBA game pass whatever Um and it's it's taking that overhead off the league. They're literally just getting revenue for games that are being played anyway. So, uh, like it's been lobbied a few times. In reality, if Amazon really wanted to go after this hard, they could take a loss for a year and just buy every Premiership game on demand. But also, what would a, what would a, someone a subscriber like myself who was definitely going to subscribe to Liverpool, but I want to watch. City against Arsenal tonight like what like I don't know how that would work but you have to pay for one off games or well you can buy like if it was if like that's the thing too you'd argue about Sky Sports like the the average fan doesn't give a a toss about Speedway they're buying a Sky do you remember Speedway used to be on yeah yeah. the lads in the North and live from Sheffield (laughs) like with the greatest respect in the world doesn't care about women's netball because they're a football fan they're a football fan only they don't they don't watch like watching Super League they don't like watching the rugby union summer internationals and beyond, and they like to they like to watch the game of football on the weekend. If their sides on, great. If their rivals on, that they can root against them, great. Um, but outside of that, they don't really care. But they're paying a the subscription service, and there's an awful lot encompassed in Sky Sports and BT Sports as well. It's kind of like a false economy. You're, you're paying for all this sport, but in reality, you only really want to watch the one. one thing. Yeah. Um, so that's why I, I don't understand how the Premier League hasn't capitalised on because 
there's so many leagues across the world that have a league specific app mm. that you pay a year subscription and they've tailored models so you can support your club you can pay and get the your club and the I know in the NFL game pass app it's like you can pay for Sunday's game the game of the week sorry mm. so you're getting your all your clubs uh, local fixtures and local televised broadcasts and you're getting the the primetime game or whatever or you can just buy a total pass you can watch every game and then you also have the option of watching that live on demand and then you've all these magazine shows with tactical breakdowns and stuff like that that the real kind of nerdy people love yeah but I just can't understand why the premiership has not invested in this given it's probably the most affluent sport in the world in terms of the money floating around there mm. and the Premier League is probably the most affluent lit sports league in the world like I think I, I just don't get it like the, the many people globally that want to watch Premier League games versus the many people globally that want to watch Major League Baseball games or NBA games is vastly different yeah and, and that I just don't get I, I do think it is a financial issue and I think subscription services a la Sky BT Premier Sports E Air Sports well they, they show Premier Sports shag all <clears throat> Premier Sports yeah speaking um, of financial issues and, and, and getting off topic I see your orange jersey in the background a lot of rugby players linked this week I suppose before we you know head off on, on our merry way tonight a lot of players linked with moves abroad over the past week 10 days 2 weeks ultimate question who's the halfbacks you're going with for the World Cup it's too early to call well you. Uh, it's too It's too early to call what it's, way, it's what, not sex it's not sex and it's not Murray what way do you go for the next 3 games that we've got left of the 6 Nations well, the next 3 games and I've seen the squad announcement already so yeah it came it's, out it's just not going to be that yeah. but it, it would be Craig Casey and it would be Jack Carty would be who I would pick for a lot of people would have issues have issues with that for Italy definitely like Jack Carty deserves one last chance and if he can't if he can't produce against Italy then look we don't need him and I, I'd like to see Craig Casey as well because I think he's a bit of talent a lot of people hammering on, on, on Cooney I think unfortunately for Cooney he's not liked he's had a bit of a bust up and he's not liked the other question too about Cooney that you always have to ask is he is 30 yeah and he hasn't had a chance yet so why hasn't he had a chance yet like it's obvious in gameplay that he probably deserves a chance but there may be some personality issues and he just might like maybe just doesn't get on with certain people do you know what I mean? like he, he, he might just not be afraid to say he's probably afraid of maybe towing the line maybe or maybe his issues towing the line he's probably a free thinker and would just speak his mind which is probably the right way to be but yeah, the, what my, my reading between the lines and stuff I've heard over the last few weeks is, is not a million miles away from what you're saying probably more so on players that are already in the squad that have stone places given that feeling the opposite way uh, but yeah I think yeah. you're in in around probably hitting the nail on the head there um, I think we with Friday gone Leinster you touched on the province's win on the weekend the burn experiment probably didn't pay off enough for Harry um, to warrant the place which is fine everyone I think everyone was of the same ilk that we'd like to see him giving a go um, he probably hasn't had enough game time or exposure to top top class games in terms of European games even um, and that's that's a big one for me Covid is coming at the wrong <clears throat> time for Harry Bourne um, 
it's yeah. coming a horrible time for him. Yeah. But I, I like I like him I'd like him being involved in the Irish squad, learning how the Irish setup works and mm. picking brains and probably get to you'd be surprised, he'd probably get a bit more one on one time with Johnny Sexton in an Irish camp than he probably does day to day with Leinster. Yeah, yeah. One, Arguably a big plus over the weekend obviously was Joey Carby taking part in Munster's warm up um, personally yeah. I think man. over the next uh, you know up to the World Cup and after you're probably looking at Ross Byrne Joey Carby and Johnny Sexton um, well t- sorry to the end of the World Cup and then you're probably looking at Carby and Byrne battling it out after that now the problem for me is and maybe Ben Healy comes through at Munster either yeah, yeah well he's probably yeah yeah but Carby I don't know if the head's gone we, we it's he's gonna get a lot of pressure and he's gonna get a lot of pressure early um so i wouldn't like him thrown into ireland again because i just not 100 percent convinced that mentally it's different it's it's a different style it's a different style of rugby he plays to be fair i i i come back to this um just when you mentioned the number of players looking at being offered moves away mm. and again when that happens the issue around playing outside of ireland yeah. and not being picked for country raises ugly head again and I think it highlights the the issue of Ian Madigan being ostracised from the squad when he moved abroad yeah he to me if he had stayed in the Irish setup, he looked more than competent when he played for Ireland he would have been a great transition man to cover Sexton now yeah and who's coming yeah, yeah. Whereas we kind of do have just a gap of maybe two years, and there's no guarantee. Believe me now when I say this, we've been very lucky with the the p- previous two stalwart fly halves we've had in this country. It is very likely that we go through a decade of average a fly half, yeah. and that's okay. You, you can you can compete in international rugby with that with a with a dominant pack, a good back line, and just a facilitator fly half. <clears throat> yeah, but we've. We've had maybe 20, 25 years of our best player on days and on games being our fly half. We might not get back to that for a while. Yeah, I was listening to Luke Fitzgerald podcast last week and he was saying how O'Gara apparently approached Crowley in Munster to go ahead, go across to France. But the one person who's really missing out on all this is probably Frawley at Leinster. Um, you know, I'm, he wasn't in the I'm not sure, is he injured at the moment possibly? Because he wasn't playing the other night, but... Um, I don't know. I might eat my words. Not no, you. He wasn't playing. I'm not sure if he was on the bench, but he in the in. I suppose whether he's injured or not in this in the conversation, he's missing out. Um, be, possibly because of the amount of the sheer amount of halves who have been ahead of him, and when he's been put into ten, he's just done the business. Without kind of gone under the radar, like unsung a little bit when he's gone in at ten at Leinster. You know. Yeah, like, I I I think the think the issue at the minute to, to kind of sum up is we have. A huge amount of quantity at fly half. I just doubt we have the quality right now. And I'm not saying that those like that your your Harry Byrne ilk players will never be that quality player, but I think right now they're not. The problem for me and the debate I've had all week with many people is we're never gonna have the that quality or or succession if we're not giving someone someone a n individual the opportunity. We're just swapping and changing too much. If it's if it's Ross Byrne put him in get him minutes if it's Billy Burns which I don't think it is I think that test has probably come to its close it's yeah yeah like I wanted to give him another chance against France or well, I wanted to give him another chance they opted for him against France mm. and he was poor until he went off so yeah, and, that's and two in a row 
yeah, like, and while Ross has a very single-minded game, possibly, it, it, you know, it's probably the best option. You just get minutes under the cap now and, and, and yeah. let's proceed with, you know, what we've got now. I get, again, it's another argument for letting players go overseas and play. Yeah. Um, how many fly-offs have we at Leinster that... Well, particularly with the money issues that were probably going to come into after COVID, in because of rugby and and how. Well, the know, issues there is is, is 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 which rugby country is not going to come into money issues because I doubt there's any. Yeah. Um, they're all they're all, we're all the the game is in a lot of trouble without money. Put it that way. But look, you can um, do a whole show on that. Yeah. Look, I suppose unfortunately this week we don't have a fan question. However, oh, no. what I might just do quickly is you may notice on the Instagram page on Mondays I run through the we run through the weekly he- weekends headlines, so I might just run through them on air here. You'll also see them on the Instagram page. So, first one, uh, say this is this is a Sasquatch only one. NRL All Star Clash ends in draw. draw. So I don't know if anyone's seen that Saturday morning. Some bit of culture before anyway. It's well worth the uh, the Hakka versus the Indigenous War Dance. I'd, uh, I'd recommend rewatching that. Four from four for the Irish provinces, as we've touched upon. Everton secure first win in the English Premier League at Anfield since 1999, back when we were afraid of the Y2K virus. <laughs> Derek, ooh, Derek Lewis wins via knockout against Curtis Blades. Miami Heat were victorious last night in the NBA Finals rematch. Corey Staunton put on an absolute show for the GWS Giants against the East Coast Eagles, kicking four goals. And finally, to break my heart, Carson Wentz makes much-anticipated move to Indy. And one so more. there we are, gents. One more. One what? More. Naomi Osaka won the Australian Open of the women's and Djokovic won the Australian Open in the men's. Yeah. That ignorant fool. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> Well, without much further ado, Coach, Doctor, <laughs> why don't you take us away? Yeah, okay, sure, no problem, as I usually do in Barrick's absence. Uh, yeah, thank you very much uh, for listening. We hope you would enjoy it. Season 3, Episode 5, almost halfway there. Uh, I've been the Doctor, he's been the Sasquatch, and he's been the Coach, all gagging for a haircut like the rest of the country uh, but hopefully we'll have one around May or June uh, Maybe but yeah that remains to be seen uh, as we go into the final week of February we just want to remind you all to uh, be safe wash your hands keep your distance and we'll all uh, get back to normal soon enough thank you and good evening